honestly, I was just working my way up to death. I thought about killing myself every day. I was using all the time, and I, that's not a sustainable lifestyle. My brother shot himself because of drugs. When you are using technology to lure children for sexual purposes, there's a couple of problems that concern me. But I remember feeling kind of relieved after hurting myself. Do you have any idea how much you were worth? I like to say it this way, great people are really built in the furnace of affliction. Our teens are navigating a world of information anarchy and increased stress and pressure. Drugs are glorified more than ever before and there seems to be a suicide option that didn't exist prior. As adults, we are responsible to provide the help at-risk teens need. Have teens changed or is it just the world they live in that's different? Is this why so many teens are traumatized or triggered? My name is Aaron Huey and in 2009, I opened a home for these teens with the hopes of giving them a second chance at creating the life we all know they deserve. Now I wanna give parents the information that contributed to our success and to support them in navigating the at-risk world. These are the stories told by the teens and the techniques used by experts to help them. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. Hey folks, Aaron Huey here at the Winter Symposium. Uh, my guest is Stephanie Diaz. Uh, she's a licensed practicing counselor. Professional counselor. Lic licensed professional, you say it. Licensed professional counselor. You see, we can totally make mistakes and it'll be <laughs> fine. Uh, Stephanie is a play therapist and the reason why I want to talk about play therapy on Beyond Risk and Back is that it is one of the things that we know that we use at our treatment center and when parents hear about it, they don't quite understand it. How can kids playing uh, teach uh, a therapeutic process or inform a therapeutic process? I want Stephanie to explain that to the parents. Um, I get it. I think it's brilliant. I'm a total symbology geek. I'm a total uh, geek around trying to interpret things that are one thing. And then, and in fact, Stephanie, I want to start. Um, the first experience I ever had with a counselor was um, going on a high school uh, you know, like a, a career day to a woman who I had worked with uh, when I was younger. And it was my first uh, interest in therapy. And she said, watch this. And she had a kid come in and said, draw me a picture of your house. And the kid just drew the square house, triangle roof, chimney, windows, uh, uh, you know, uh, a car uh, and little stick figure people. And then that was it. Session was over. And she said, now look at this. Which way are the people walking? And I said, oh, they're walking away from the house. Is there smoke coming out of the chimney? No. Look at the windows. Those look like bars. And on and on and on. And she first was the first one to introduce me into the symbology of something as simple as drawing a picture of playing so tell the parents what is play therapy yeah how do you use it how young do you start I want to go I want to go all into it well first of all I want to talk about play therapy is not just for young kids I think a lot of people think it's just for super young kids but in reality play therapy can be used with the entire age spectrum but when we're speaking directly about young kids kids don't have the same understanding of language that we do as adults and they speak through play they process their experiences, they process their understanding of the world through play. Uh, one of the things, uh, the stories that I heard about in 
my uh, education was uh, shortly after Hurricane Katrina, there were a lot of kids once they st once they came back to school where they played out rescue scenes on the playground. Wow. Because that's what they had experienced. Wow. And it was part of how their brain was processing the trauma that they had gone through. So play is a natural part of how kids learn, how they understand their environment, how they understand what's going on within their relationships. Do you know, do you know, you just, you just like spark, this is one of those therapy moments. You've said something and my whole body just shuddered back to sixth grade when uh, the, att the assassination attempt on Reagan happened. Mm -hmm. A group of friends and I watched the video over and over and reenacted it for our yes. teacher over and over. Oh my gosh. Yes. That's how your, That's amazing. That's how your brain was processing this really oh big, huge event that happened in your life and that was had an impact most likely not just for you but for the other adults in your life and they were having lots of big feelings and so kids communicate through play and toys become their words so toys have a lot of different symbolic reasons for a lot a lot of different um, uh, symbolism for a lot of different reasons but sometimes it's not even about the toy but it's about how they interact with the toy how that toy interacts with other toys in the playroom um, it's how the kid is really uh, demonstrating what they're experiencing so there's lots of different ways that play therapy happens, lots of different uh, philosophies and ideas around it. Um, but the most important is that true change and growth happens within the context of a relationship. Every every change, and that's not just play therapy, but that's across the board, no matter what modality of right. therapy that you're talking about, it happens within the context of a relationship. So when the child can come into the playroom and they get to be in charge, they get to have this adult that is 100% attuned to them and what they're experiencing, it starts to become this, this emotional space, this physical space that's really safe for this, for them to just genuinely be who they are and then they can start working through some of those big experiences that they're having. So it seems that there's going to be, like I, I understand and have participated and we've put our teens at the facility through family sculptures. Yep. Okay, so it seems to me that um, at the basics, and I'm trying to, I wanna make sure that, that parents who may not know anything about play therapy are getting this. The child walks into the therapist's office, the walls are covered in toys. Yep. So immediately the observation of the child, what they're drawn to, what, is there a process of a child picks a toy off a shelf, does the parent say, why did you pick that one? Does, I mean the therapist, does the therapist say why? Or is the therapist already informed enough to begin deducing yeah. what's taking place? So it, throughout the course of play therapy, there's different kind of stages. So in the very beginning, there's a lot of assessment that's happening. The play therapist is um, assessing, are there certain toys that that client seems to be attracted to and attached to they want to play with that same toy every time is the type of play the same are they playing out really aggressive violent war scenes is the play more um, nurturing and caring in nature Do, are they avoidant of certain types of toys and they're noticing and paying attention to that and really the the play therapist is um, doing a lot of what we call uh, um, tracking so it's it's just letting the kid know that I'm watching and that I see what you're doing oh you picked up the doll you want to pretend like you're feeding the doll it's really important to you to rock that baby to sleep so you're reflecting back to them what you're seeing so that they they see 
they feel heard and seen in that sense. So you're truly, right. you're truly with them in that moment. There's an emotional connection that happens that they're feeling attended to and cared for and understood. So it also sounds like the child also has an opportunity to correct the therapist. Absolutely. So if it's, oh, you're, you're rocking the, that doll to sleep. And the child says, no, I'm, she's bad or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, no, I'm that's a, a great example. Okay. So, yeah. and so there's space for the child to not just be guided. And I, and I would, I would wonder if parents would worry about their child being guided through play therapy. At, at some point, does the therapist ever try to lead the play to help a child resolve something in the psyche? There's, there's a lot of different um, uh, types of play therapy. So non-directive play therapy means that the therapist really is not directing the play. They're observing, they're being with, they're reflecting, wow, okay. they're noticing uh, feelings or emotions that are going on. A lot of times it's too scary to have an emotion yourself, but the dolly can be scared. Of course. Or the superhero action figure can feel brave, but to say that I'm brave is too scary. Right. So we can reflect in and not make it about you, but it's about the the toy that we're playing with. So it, it, there's lots of different ways. Um, you can um, integrate different, like, um, uh, teaching different tools and how to, um, how to handle different emotions, identifying emotions through the course of play. It really depends on what that kid needs in that moment, how the therapist is trained. There's synergistic play therapy. There's uh, directive. There's non-directive. There's um, all different types types of play therapy and so uh, a lot of times a therapist is going to assess what the needs of that client is okay. and and every therapist has different philosophies about why they do what they do but at the basis of, of true play therapy with children is that children communicate through play and toys are like their words okay. because they don't have the skills to have those words themselves so 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 it sounds like this is this is extremely beneficial um, for the, the the therapist to really get kind of the, the inside look right away at what's going on with the kid. Yep. So now I'm curious is how does the therapist then begin to download that information to the parents? Because, I, because I'm assuming since so much of what has happening is subconscious, the therapist is immediately getting the hit on the family. So when I work with uh, parents who are bringing their kids in to see me, I tell them right up front, I'm not going to come back and tell you every toy your kid played with, everything they said in therapy, because the kids have to know that this is a safe place for them to come and play and be and say what they need to say. And that the, in the same way that you would want confidentiality, sure, of course, of course. Um, the kid gets confidentiality. But what I do talk to the parents about is if, I, like if I'm working with a kid and I notice that they have a lot of insecurities, that they're feeling really insecure in it, and that's seen throughout their play I might go back to the parent and say let's find opportunities for you to really uh, demonstrate to your kid that you trust them that you love them that they are special that they're valuable that they're um, that they point out what their skills are and and really start to build up that self-esteem aspect of okay. it uh, there are other times where I'm like oh, this kid needs more boundaries they need to have uh, more uh, they're they're a little too
too sporadic and they need to kids feel more comfortable when there's when there's boundaries in place so i'll talk to parents about how do you set limits how do you redirect behavior without um shaming your kid and and i'll, I'll coach them from a parenting standpoint and i may even come in and say this is how your kids play has evolved and how i know that progress is happening so what i can tell you for sure is that a kid doesn't come into therapy one or two times and then immediately everything is better right it's not it's not like taking an antibiotic and right. in 10 days everything's better You're right it's a process it takes time to develop a relationship and and sometimes when kids start to deal with things that they aren't able to deal with things can get a, even a little bit messier at home because they're dealing with really big emotions in the playroom so I try to prepare parents for just because they're having more tantrums right now doesn't mean this isn't working that actually can be the opposite so I have a I have a question then how how does the the therapist or does the therapist um, let the child know that this process is actually a therapeutic process or is the child just allowed to be free in the area of play like at what point do you download to the child I'm watching and I'm learning about your life in this and I'm making some um, decisions about how to help you based on how you play or do you just say just play kid I just tell them play okay. just play um, I'm reflecting in 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 micro ways throughout the session that I see them that I hear them that I'm noticing what they're doing I'm reflecting how they feel or how the toy might be feeling at that moment so they feel seen and heard throughout the play and in that way it feels a lot different than them than just having another adult in the room while they play with their toys okay because my interactions with them are, are intentional and constant throughout that entire hour that hour is about them and only them I'm not doing anything else I just attending to them and sometimes kids will invite me into play and they'll include me in that play sometimes they just want me to observe and they, I've had kids who are like uh, just be quiet just watch <laughs> I'm like okay I'm wow. gonna stop reflecting now and I watch some amazing things that unfold in the sand tray it becomes almost a, 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 a window into what it is that they're experiencing in their world. so let's talk about the sand tray thing for a second because I know sand tray is part of therapy but it's a the, the play therapy but it's a specific modality yes. why what is it how is it different talk about sand tray yeah so sand tray um, can also can uh, lots of different modalities can go into sand tray so you could do really deep psychodynamic work in sand tray which is usually reserved for older kids and adults explain that because we got parents teachers and clinicians yeah, so the yeah. clinicians will understand what you just yeah, said yeah. let's let's make sure parents and teachers have a fair shot at this. Basically, referring to what you were talking to earlier, which is if I brought you into my playroom and I see you see all these sand tray toys that are all displayed, they're all standing up. Nice and they're and very neat. small. Yeah, they're they're like little figurines. Okay. Um, so they're um, they're not as big as a Barbie usually. Um, they're they're uh, kind of the smaller, maybe a little bit bigger than like a McDonald's Happy Meal toy. Okay. Um, but m most of the time, they're going to be very specifically chosen um, by the therapist who is who has um, selected all these toys in there because they have the opportunity to represent different things. So I might tell you, just pick one item, whatever it is, for whatever. 
whatever reason, and then we'll look at that item and kind of talk about what are the assumptions or um, what are the things about that item. So I, I, I one time invited a, um, a cohort of police officers into my office because I was, uh, you know, um, networking with my neighborhood and wanted them to know that we were there. And the big burly guys in their uniforms and guns and everything, and they come in and they're like, toys! It was so cute. And I said, just, just pick any toy that you oh, want. Oh, you, you got in their heads. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and so they, they pick a toy, and, and then based on what that toy is, I would ask them some questions about, like, tell me about, like, one of them picked up, like, a Batman toy or something. I don't remember. It was many years ago, but uh, a superhero toy. Tell me about that that toy, what are some characteristics of it? So they start to say like, uh, you know, he's strong and he has superpowers and he is, uh, you know, uh, a hero and all that kind of Justice. stuff. Justice. Yeah. Because exactly. you're, you're talking about comic books. So it, I was like, man, I know what I would say. I'd be like, yeah. because he's Batman. Yes. And he's the exactly darkness right, in right. the light. And So then I can reflect back wow. and say, what is it about those characteristics that, um, that hit you that resonate with you so what is it about the sand yeah well uh sand really connects us back to mother earth yeah if there's something very organic about that um and then there's just the logistical it helps them stand up <laughs> when really you the- i thought i thought it was so much more devious and and like subliminal because yeah you know i the 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 texture the tangibility all that type of stuff but Absolutely. i also got that it, it helps, helps them stand, them stand up. up. Wow. But all of that is true also. And again, depending on what your modality is going into it and, and how you're doing. But um, a lot of sand trade therapists will have a variety of sands for people to choose from. White sand, black sand, coarse sand, really thin sand. So really? all of that goes into it as well. In my practice, I work more with the kiddos. And so it's more, I have I have regular playground sand. I have kinetic sand. Yeah, of course, that, that stand. Sticky stuff yep. that, that is very, which is very, very yeah, popular. kinesthetic. And, yep. and yeah. then I have a couple of sands that I collected myself in my travels. So one from Puerto Rico uh, when I was there a few years ago, and one from Puget Sound area out in Seattle. Very different sands, but then people can pick from them what they want. And there's lots oh. of different things that go around with that. But. I so I really like that. I, yeah. If you're using red sand from China versus some black sand from Iceland. You could, I mean, if you're into Jungian yes, therapy, exactly. which, which is, I, you could really get down and dirty with some yeah, of that stuff. Absolutely. How does a parent, so your kid is doing therapy, uh, it's going well, the kid loves the therapist, they talk about what they played, the parent's starting to grok it, the therapist and the parent have a good relationship. Um, how does the parent, I want to say two things. Number one, is it, let, let's start with a simple yes or no. And, and if, it's, if it's more complicated than that, feel free to say. Um, is it okay for a parent to play and start being more conscious about how the child's playing 
and interact with the child the way the therapist is describing it? Or does that cross some lines? Um, well, if they're not trained, they're not going to know how to do that. Sure. But I do coach my parents to set aside at least one hour a week where their kid just gets to direct the play. So this may be from uh, just setting the special wow. time aside where they, the kid and that, that one kid and that parent whatever the kid wants to do for that hour. So if he wants to play shoots and ladders and he wants to cheat the entire game so that he wins, there's completely okay. You don't redirect them at all because it's all about what he wants to do and what he wants to create. If that child wants you to come in and play dress up and pretend to do tea, we're not going to correct the kid about like, no, we don't, we don't put, you know, this in with tea or we don't, right. that's not how that happens. No, it's whatever world the, the child wants to create for that that hour cell phones are away there's no distractions it's just you and your kid for that one hour a week that can be huge you don't have to do anything other than just let your kid be in charge for one hour and that play will be very powerful i can imagine i can imagine the parent then sitting in the office saying what i noticed was and that's where it starts that's where that connection piece in play that's where that connection piece is going and then for the parent to download that information and the therapist to confirm some things with the parents. I don't even want the parents to download any of that information. I just want them to be so in tune with their okay. kid in that moment. Nothing else. We're not interpreting anything. We're not trying to read into anything. We're simply there with them in the moment experiencing their world as they're presenting it to us. And that's it. There's something very, very powerful helping kids to feel seen and heard. Because so many times Times they get the message from the world that they need to sit down and shut up and don't be a pain and don't do this and that and and in this moment it's their world they get to or like me the parent trying to intellectualize the play yeah and and try to say well let me tell you what i think my daughter's doing yeah. it's like i'm fine figuring out what your daughter's doing why don't you just play i think i've discovered why my daughter didn't want to play with me that much anymore it's because i was like maya do you know what this is? she's a co-host yeah. maya do you know what that means when you played that she's like come on dad let's just play the damn game Right. So, because a lot of the play is coming from a really subconscious place, yes. not, a, not a, a frontal lobe. Yeah, place. yeah, yeah. And so they're not they're not thinking about it that way. And then if you do that with kids, is part of the reason why I don't tell kids what, what how I'm interpreting them or any of that kind of stuff. Because then they're like, oh, everything I, I do oh, has a second meaning, and I don't mean it to be. That I got to be careful like, about what I say. Yeah. I got to be careful about which toys I pick. Yeah, yes, absolutely. <laughs> so the 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 parent needs to know that your kid is going to come home if they're doing true play therapy they're going to come home and say i didn't do anything all we did was play that's it nothing happened and if they're they're hearing that message from their kid and then the kid's still having tantrums or they're still having some behavioral issues it'll get really easy to say this therapist isn't working play therapy isn't working i'm going to pull them out uh if they're paying out of pocket they're probably paying a lot for it right you know and so there's this like i need it fixed right away but a lot is happening and the less the kid knows that a lot is happening the 
better and more the faster better. it's going to happen. Of course. Because if, otherwise they're protected. Like, I don't want you manipulating me. I just want to come and play. I don't want, you know, the, we don't want to turn them off. What can, what can a parent expect when they sign their child up for a play therapy? Is this a, a 10 off? Is this a one off experience? Is this a, for the next three years? Or is that very open? It's very open depending on what the kid is experiencing. So I've worked with kids that were just really struggling with um, anxiety in school. And so once we got them in there and they were able to really build up some self-confidence and, and have a place where they can uh, they can play and be free, then uh, schools felt a little less scary and they're able to get back and it's a much shorter time frame. Okay. Uh, children who have experienced trauma, neglect, really big issues in their life might need a little bit longer time to work through some of those issues. So it depends on their age. Because it's not just revealing the issue, it's working through it. Yeah, exactly. Through the play. Why do you like it? Why 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 are you drawn to the play therapy yeah. thing? Why is that why is that your modality? I've I've always known since I was a young kid myself, I've always known that I wanted to work with children and I wanted to help children. Okay. And so that's always just been part of who I am and, and who I like to be around. I love working with kids. Um, but kids, they change very quickly. They grow very fast. And so you get to see really huge jumps in how they're growing and how being with you and interacting with you has changed who they're becoming into the next stage of their life and it's very fulfilling um, a lot of my practice is also working with parents um, I think any parent who has a kid older, older than 12 should be in their own therapy personally because parenting teenagers is hard and not for the week <laughs> speaking personally speaking I'm a personally. 21 year old and a 17 year old at home right now yep. and I, I think it's really hard and our children have a way of triggering our most intimate insecurities and all of our past trauma from yes. our childhood and all of our relationship with the people who raised us and so it, it really is hard not to project onto your child your own issues you know I, I have always said and I truly believe that every relationship we're in is an opportunity to reconcile the most painful one that we lost or wished was better yeah. And one of the things that I love about the concept of play therapy is that, I mean, every relationship, not just with another person, but with the toy, with the action figure, with that little castle. But what is easy for parents to forget is that we are often subconsciously using our relationship with our children to try to fix the relationship with our parents. Yeah. And that's a lot on a child's psyche. Yeah. So, so I think that's a big piece. As a parent is looking for a, I want to do two things, and then you and I are going to talk again, not just about this, but you and I have another podcast tomorrow. Um, but I want to do a longer one with you because I really want to help parents understand play therapy and, the, and symbology in this way. Um, when a parent is looking for a play therapist, what are some do's and don'ts of play therapy? Sure, sure. Um, first of all, if you walk into their office and there's no visible toys... <laughs> 
That's a red flag. That's a red flag. Um, there should be a variety of toys to choose from um, because the, the child really needs to have the opportunity to be drawn to the type of toys that they need to process and right. they'll know it inherently. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of different uh, venues have limited supplies and that's okay. But really, if you go into an office and there's a couch and a chair and some like fidget toys on the counter, it's not a true play therapy experience. Got it. Um, so there needs to be toys around for them. To you know, just a little sideline on that. And between you and me and all the listeners, if you really understood play therapy and you walked into a play therapist's office and saw the toys that they chose and how they displayed those toys, you could be therapizing the therapist. I like that. I'm going to start doing no. Yeah. So so those are some those are some good, you know, don'ts. Yeah. What is it that you want a parent to feel, see, hear, smell, touch yeah. when they walk in? When when they meet with that therapist, there should be really clear boundaries that are set up as to how they are invited to participate. Um, really good boundaries around how they communicate with their child before and after therapy. Um, I think one of the things that we do as parents is we're, we're trying to encourage our kid how to go, what'd you do? We're curious about what happened and that actually can feel very intrusive. So if your child wants to talk about it, they can, there's no right. secrets, but they, that's their choice. It's their option to either talk about it or not talk about it. And most kids that, that I've experienced, they just want to go have dinner. They just want to eat their snacks. They don't want to talk about what happened in right. there. They want to leave it in there. And the parent needs to have a relationship themselves with the therapist so that they trust that what's happening in there is actually helping and moving forward. Um, if the therapist overshares about what's going on in the sessions, that's kind of a red flag for me. Or if there's zero communication at all, um, that there's, there's a healthy balance in the middle of here's what you need to help support your kid at home without disclosing everything that's happened in the playroom. You know, and this is, I want parents, I want parents to understand that when I'm talking here with Stephanie Diaz about play therapy, what we're going to be talking about, um, if I'm understanding you correctly, and I hope I am because how you just broke that down was really eloquent. And I think parents really struggle to figure out how do I find a therapist? What do I know to look for? What share, what is too much sharing? What is not enough? And that's what we're going to be talking about tomorrow because that's also what you do is help parents find clinicians. Yes. Okay. So that's good. We're going to get to that one. So before we wrap up, I want to know how people um, find you. If they say, oh, I don't want her to tell me who to go see. Yeah. I want to go see Stephanie. How do yeah, they find absolutely. you, Stephanie? My private practice is Giving Tree Counseling Services. So I can be found on the web um, through my website, which is givingtreecounselingservices.com. And um, people can also send me an email at givingtreecs at gmail.com. And I'll be happy to talk to people um, through getting them connected and um, assessing whether or not they're uh, a good fit. Yeah. Great. Okay, Stephanie, we're going to do a longer show. I'm going to I'm going to be reaching out to you. Um, I'm, I'm going to be reaching out to you as soon as this stuff gets posted up, and I'm going to go through all of these for the winter symposium. I want a full hour with you. I think you've got a lot to say. So thank you very much for taking the time thank away you. from you, Bruce. Uh, parents, I'm going to sign off quick. You take care of yourself first. You take care of your adult relationships second. 
You take care of your children third because in that way, we do our best work with our children. Stephanie, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to talking to you again and tomorrow. Um, and parents signing off uh, from the Winter Symposium in Colorado Springs. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Join us each week for your connection to experts in adolescent health and wellness, recovery, and responsibility, and also to listen to teens talk about their lives in crisis. For more information on our program for struggling teens or me, please go to firemountainprograms.com, join us on Facebook at Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center, or at Beyond Risk and Back. Visit our YouTube channel at Fire Mountain RTC for even more support with our parent training videos. Special thanks to Mental Health News Radio for their continued love and support of our program. Please go to mentalhealthnewsradio.com to see all of their podcasts. Feel free to email me at Aaron at firemountainprograms.com. <laughs>